My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and today we are going to answer a couple of questions from you, the listener. These four questions we're going to answer today came in from our voicemail lines, which means all four of the people who asked these questions this month are in the running for a free tutoring session. Now, if you have a scanner radio question for me, you can leave it over at scannerschool.com slash ask, or by picking up the phone and dialing 516-308-2885. And if you're outside of the United States, you can always go to our SpeakPipe link, again, over on our Ask page at scannerschool.com slash ask. Now, if you've noticed, my voice sounds a little bit different this week. Uh, we did start chemotherapy sessions a couple weeks ago. I'm a little tired, a little raspy. We're piling through this, guys. And that's why this week's session is an audio-only podcast. And unfortunately, this month, I do need to cancel and probably push out and reschedule our monthly Q&A session that we normally hold on YouTube. And again, the reason for that is just because my energy levels are a little bit down because I'm on chemo and staying up late at night, which really isn't that late, but it is late now for me. I'm in bed. (laughs) I am in bed before we even wrap up our Q&A sessions now. So we'll look at our calendar and we'll schedule out something that we can all hang out and even enjoy the end of the year and maybe even do a show and tell maybe at the end of the year and uh, show off our new our new radio toys that we got, right? So make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you find out when we have our rescheduled Q&A session. But until then, let's start answering some questions. And the first one is on deck and ready to go. Let's go ahead and go through the first question now. Hey, Phil. This is Drew from Indiana. I'm new to scanning, but have been a listener for a little while. I uh, picked up my first scanner, uh, BC125AT, and I uh, was on a recent trip and wanted to listen to some CB traffic. And I was using the service search mode where it's got the pre-programmed banks already in there. And I uh, was using the CB band and trucks all around me, not getting any um, anything, even when I stopped on what was set for channel 19 and wanted to understand kind of what I was doing wrong there. Uh, appreciate your feedback on this. Thank you and have a great day. Hey Drew, welcome to the hobby of scanning. So the BC125AT, for anybody who's not familiar with it, is a Uniden handheld radio current to this year 2022. It's a 500-channel radio, uh, runs with two AA batteries, has a BNC connected on top of it. It does do conventional only, but what I like about this radio is the fact that it alpha tags and that it has PL and DPL code. So if you have watched our buyer's guide, which we released on YouTube just a couple of weeks ago, we'll put a link to that in the description of this podcast. Uh, That's one of my buy radios. That's one of the radios that I strongly recommend that if somebody wants a handheld, conventional-only radio, that that should be a radio they consider, mainly because of the size, because of the price point, and because of the value, and the value of it is basically at that price point, you're getting PL and DPL and alpha tags. 
Now, the radio itself is a great radio, but what you're listening to, Drew, is CB, okay? Now, I broke out my BC-125AT and I put it into service search mode just to find out if it would automatically go into AM mode, and it does, which is great because that's where we want our radio in CB. Now, the thing we need to remember and realize with CB or Citizens Band here in the United States is the fact that we're operating on 27 megahertz. That is down in the 11 meter band. And if we take our theory when it comes to radio sciences here, the lower the frequency, the larger the wavelength. And when we have larger wavelengths, that means we need larger antennas in order to hear anything. Now, it's very possible that you just weren't in an area that there were truckers actually on CB because just because you see people with antennas on the outside of their vehicles doesn't mean they're actually using them, okay? But that aside, it's possible that you don't hear anything for a very solid reason, and that comes down to your antenna. CB is simplex. It's point to point. There's no middleman. There's no repeater, right? here. So you're going from truck to truck. Now, legal watt on CB, I think is four to four watts, seven watts. I forget where it is. It's low, right? But again, many CB users thumb their nose at the regulations and they pop amplifiers anyway, right? Besides the point, if you're going to hear anything on CB, you need to make sure that your equipment is optimized as efficiently as possible in order to hear anything. That being said, the only piece of gear that we can really optimize on our end is our antenna. Using the rubber duck or the included antenna that comes with the BC-125AT for CB, I feel is useless when it comes to trying to monitor CB while you are driving, traveling, commuting, etc. The characteristics of that antenna are not made for 27 megahertz. It might be made for it. But in reality goes, it's not made to receive 27 megahertz or the CB band all that well for what it is we want to do with it. How do we solve this problem? The easiest way to do this is to get an external or a mag mount CB antenna for your vehicle. And if you've looked at any CB antennas out there, you'll notice that they are very, very long. Six foot plus, right, is a typical whip for a CB. Now. Do you need one that long? No. You'll probably get a loading coil in the middle, but again, you're going to take some, some losses and whatever else there too. But the point here is for you to monitor CB on that scanner radio, you're going to want an external antenna. Mag mount is fine, which means that it's magnetically held to your vehicle. And you're going to want to place this antenna somewhere in your vehicle where you have good metallic contact, such as the center of your roof, if you don't have a convertible, or even the center of your tail, your trunk, if you have a sedan or something like that, right? That by far is going to improve anything else you can possibly do with that radio while commuting. Now, again, it's all going to matter as to whether or not there's actually activity in your area, but I do feel that investing in a magnetic whip antenna specifically made for CB will yield you the best results that you're looking for in that band. Now, if you do use that CB antenna for scanning in other bands, 
you may notice a degradation in reception on VHF, UHF, and even 800 because that 27 megahertz antenna is not made for 851 megahertz. It's completely different. Bigger antenna, lower the frequency. Lower the antenna, higher the frequency. If you're looking for something that's general coverage, again, I would recommend something that is a general receive antenna for scanning. And again, you're going to take a compromise somewhere and you may take the compromise in the CB area. The amount of money you're going to spend for this is really, you know, up to you as to what you feel is a good value antenna for your budget. But again, I think this is something that no matter what you spend the money on, as long as you get something outside the vehicle, it's made for CB. And of course, it has a BNC connector on it, so you can interface it with the top of your scanner. I think you'll see some very positive results here. Drew, welcome to the hobby of scanning. This, again, is a hobby. Finding things that work, finding things that didn't work well, tweaking, changing things, and learning as you go along here. This is all that makes the hobby fun. This is another feather in your cap, so to speak, when you kind of pick at it, figure it out, and then find results. So keep at it. Congratulations on joining this hobby. It's a great hobby to be in. Many people are here to help you out. And if you haven't done so already, make sure you go over and sign up for our Discord server over at scannerschool.com slash Discord and let us know how you made out if you went ahead and purchased an external antenna. Thanks for asking your question, and let's move on to the next one for this week. Hey, Phil. Uh, Jeff Drabman here. I had a quick question. Uh, I thought I'd run by you. Uh, it's not one of these things where I think I know the answer, but I'd be kind of curious to hear some other opinions. And that is, I have a, a computer running in... Uh, the other room in a different part of the, the basement and it's got like four or five SDRs connected to it and that is my P25 network and that's the only thing it does there's a computer sitting there running the P25 and then um, I I don't really listen to it because it's in a different part of the basement so I actually have um, the recording app running and, of course, that allows me to monitor it from pretty much anywhere in the house with my phone or with another computer. So I have a, another computer, of course, sitting in my my radio area and in my work area. That all it, Its only job uh, is to listen to the SDR computer. And I'm thinking it's not that far from the back room to the radio room slash computer room slash office. And so I'm thinking... Just gotta, can I just run a piece of bell, or maybe not bell wire, but some uh, a piece of uh, shielded audio cable from one space to another space? Hey, Jeff, you were a little long-winded for the speak pipe link there. So a little bit long, didn't get your full questionnaire, but I see where you're going with this one. So you're looking to basically run an external speaker from one computer into another room and then basically just drive it there. Now, what we have to remember is a lot of the times, or most of the times, or I think all the times, right, our computer speakers are amplified speakers, which means basically it takes a low volume output from our sound card, and then it amplifies it internally in the speaker itself so that we can listen to it with enough volume so we can actually hear anything out of it. At least that's the way my speakers on my setup work on my computers in my house. Now, the longer the run that you have here on a any type of line, 
the more noise you're going to introduce into there, right? Because you're going to have basically a loss of signal, and then you're going to amplify that to recover it. That might mean you get a little bit of a nasty hum. That might mean that you just have bad fidelity. Uh, that might mean nothing at all, depending on the quality of cable you use and the length of the run. I mean, if you're going to run 50 feet, 150 feet, there's a huge difference there when it comes to how much you're going to get out of it. Now, are you really hurting anything, I think, by running a separate computer from one room to another room? No, I don't think so. But the question really becomes is why are you dedicating one computer in your listening room just to stream the audio from that slave PC or the master PC rather in your radio room uh, where the where, wherever is receiving the P25 transmissions that you are running the your SDR stack on. Now, for anybody scratching their heads in their cars or while they're out for a walk or at home, and are wondering what it is you're using out there. Jeff, you and I have talked quite a bit. And I'm not even sure what it is that you're using. But <laughs> I know the gist of whatever it is that you're doing over there. So let me break it down for anybody who's out there and, and trying to figure this out. So Jeff has multiple SDRs that are up and running that are monitoring multiple talk groups on a trunk radio system. One of those SDRs would be monitoring the control channel. The rest would be slaves monitoring the, uh, the, the voice channels. Now. What's basically happening is Jeff has a ingest server or whatever it is, right? All of these talk groups are being recorded onto a computer hard drive and they're being queued up, right? Because what happens when you have multiple talk groups queued up at the same time? Well, on our scanner radios, we can only listen to what we're actually listening to. But in Jeff's configuration here, what he is able to do is he's able to record all of the audio regardless of when the user is on the air. So if two talk groups are keyed up at the exact same time on this trunk radio system, both of those talk groups have their audio recorded locally on the hard drive. Then using the playback software that's running in tandem, it queues up both talk groups and allows the first talk group to play. And when that is done, it allows then the second talk group to play. This way, Jeff doesn't miss a single transmission and he gets full transmissions of whatever it is he's listening to. You're also able to create your own playlists and this allows you to lock out any of the other talk groups you don't want to listen to and only hear the groups that you do want to hear. Or it allows you to, say, archive everything and then you can go back at a later date, select a talk group and go back and play just that one particular talk group. Now, if all of this sounds very interesting to you, let me break down the software that he's using here. He could be using SDR Trunk, or he could be using Unitrunker. One of those two pieces of software is monitoring the control channel in his P25 network and is controlling all of the SDR so he can receive all these talk groups. Now, if it's a phase one talk group, we can be using either one of these softwares. But if it's a phase two talk group, he's going to be locked into SDR trunk. Now the software is actually doing the recording, the cataloging, and the web interface to play everything back is called Trunking Recorder. And you can find that over at scannerbox.us. And there's a couple of instructions and screenshots and how to set up uh, Trunking Recorder in order for it to work with Unitrunker and SDR trunk. 
Now, we cover or we have covered Unitrunker in our SDR course, our advanced SDR course for Windows, which you can go ahead and purchase right now by going to courses.scannerschool.com. The final two, here's the sneak right here, the final two modules will be, we'll close out our SDR for Windows course, and we are actually working on recording both of those this month. So with that, we now have a full contained box that allows us to record P25 traffic and then stream it either to ourselves or play it back or even send it to Radio Reference as an ingest server. So Jeff, what you're looking at doing here is conceivable. I mean, the thing is, how would you control what it is you're listening to, right? Would you use something like TeamViewer? Would you use something like uh, Google Remote Desktop or something that has another remote desktop interface? It's up to you. you it, may, it may just be easier to leave it the way it is since you've already got it configured. But my question to you is, why are we using a separate computer? Why not use an iPad or an old Android tablet or an old smartphone that's collecting dust or set up a Raspberry Pi and let that run as a dummy terminal? Or why don't you just use your regular computer that you're using for everything else in wherever it is you're listening to and let that play back the web page that you're listening to everything on? I'm missing that little piece there. Again, your, your, uh, your recording did cut short. I understand where you're trying to go with it, but I'm missing that last piece as to why you're just not using equipment that you already have. Maybe you don't have a computer where it is that you are sitting and listening to this. But again, you could you could really use anything you wanted to. I think you'll be okay with running a long line. But again, like I said to Drew, this is a hobby. And by using you know the tools that are available to us and trying things out and playing around, and tweaking our setups and playing with, you know, different kinds of arrangements here. That's what makes this hobby as fun as it is. It's not just radios. It's not just picking things up and programming our scanners and listening. It's everything else. It's the tweaks and the bells and the whistles and the reconfiguration and the building of our, our desks and laying out our radios and, and logging things out and listening to podcasts and YouTube videos and whatever else like that, right? It's, it's having fun with everything else that's involved with more than just listening to our radios. Let me know what you uh, end up with, Jeff. I'm very curious to see or hear what it is that, uh, that you've decided to do with this one. And uh, I hope, too, you fill in the blanks as to uh, what the actual MO here is on, on what is you're trying to do. Jeff, stand by, because after this quick break, we'll go on to some more questions. And again, either you or Drew right now are up for a free tutoring session. For those who are $3 or a month higher Patreon supporters, you will not get this break. For everybody else, we'll catch you in just one second. And don't forget, if you want to support us on Patreon, scannerschool.com slash Patreon. Catch you in just one second. Chances are pretty good that you shop online and buy things online. So whether it's Amazon or eBay or Scanner Master, maybe you got a new radio and you're going to buy new software from Butel. You can help support the podcast with your online purchases. If you use our support page before buying things online, you can support our show without it costing you a single cent. So before you buy your groceries, your golf balls, your socks, or maybe a new radio, software, or whatever it is. We would love it if you could use our affiliate links before you make that purchase. And this will help support the show at no additional cost to you. Go to scannerschool.com support 
to find out how you can help us out. Thanks again. Do you feel lost when it comes to the scanner hobby? Are you looking for someone to answer your questions? Do you have a new radio and you need help understanding how it works? Or are you working on a big project and need somebody to bounce ideas off of? Do you need a little bit more personal assistance than what you can get from an online community? And are you looking for somebody to dedicate their attention and their time to helping you out when it comes to getting you unstuck with whatever it is that you are struggling with when it comes to the scanner radio hobby? I'm here to do just that. See, you can book me for a session right now where I'll sit on Zoom and do a video or a screen share with you just as if I am sitting across the table and helping you out. You can book your tutoring session right now by going to scannerschool.com slash tutoring. I can't wait to help you out. Unication's G2 to G5 pages are great additions to your radio collection. Not only can they alert you with two-tone pager activations, but they can also monitor your local P25 simulcast systems that many scanner radios have problems receiving. And of course, many of our scanner school listeners are happily using their Unication pagers to scan their local trunk systems. How do I know? Because they've reached out to tell me. My company, East Coast Pagers, is an authorized Unication, Swiss phone, and Apollo pager dealer. We not only support departments and agencies, but also the home hobby user as well. Find us online at eastcoastpagers.com. Alrighty, let's move on to our next question. Hello, my name is Gregory Williams. My question is, why does the SDS-100 get warm while listening to the scanner? Hey, Gregory, that's a really interesting question. Now, the SDS scanner is not your typical scanner radio. It was made a little bit differently because it was made to handle simulcast environments. Now, the SDS, what does it stand for? I don't know. I have never really seen any official documentation on it. But what I assume is what it stands for is a software-defined scanner. Software-defined, meaning it operates like a software-defined radio. Now, your typical scanner, it may get a little warm, when you use it, I mean, we've heard of radios getting warm when they operate all the time. And again, if we actually have a radio that transmits, it's not uncommon for radios to get warm when they're used because the, the heat, the energy has to dissipate somewhere. Of course, it goes outward into the casing of the radio. But why, again, does our SDS-100 get warm to the touch when we use it? couple of different things can come into play here. It could be that the screen is constantly turning on and turning off, how you have your screen set up. It's a pretty large screen on that unit, and it is colored screen, and it does have a nice bright light on it, but does that even add to the fact that there's heat generated on here? I don't think so. What I think is what's happening is just the fact of what's under the hood here on our SDS series radios. The software-defined scanner is a software-defined radio. And if anybody has ever owned software-defined radios, you'll know that when you touch one of those for the first time after they've been plugged in for a little bit of time and have been used, they are very warm. Very, very warm. And some may say actually slightly hot to the touch. Yes, these software-defined radios do heat up quite a bit. I'm not exactly sure why that happens, but energy is released as heat, 
And I guess that's part of the process. Now, I like my new Elect dongles, and I also like my RTL Blog V3 because they have aluminum casing, aluminum housing on the outside of the, the dongle. And of course, that helps to dissipate quite a bit of heat. Some of the older SDRs were plastic cases, and of course, they drifted quite a bit. And of course, we also learned, too, that we want radios now with TCXOs, right, or temp temperature... Uh, temperature something crystal oscillators, temperature, comp temperature compensating crystal oscillators, I believe is what it is. Yes, they heat up. That's really what happens here. And it's based off of what is under the hood. Now, do we have a new elect dongle or a RTL blog dongle under the hood of our SDS 100? I don't think so. I think we have a Udidin version of a software-defined radio, which is not too far off from a standard SDR design. And again, we have SDRs made by, again, Nualac and RTL Blog and AirSpy and um, SDR Play. And there's a couple other ones that are out there as well, to name just a couple here. And we, of course, we have knockoffs and counterfeits and everything else. But long story short here is, yes, a lot of those dongles do heat up when used. And it's my theory and my assumption here that the SDS-100 does get warm to the touch because there is a new piece of gear under the hood and a new way of receiving signals that do not use the old conventional styles of taking signal over the air and mixing it and coming out the other end, right, to the radio circuitry as something that we can listen to. The software-defined radio portion of the SDS-100 is what I assume is what is generating the heat that we feel after having our SDS-100 in use for quite some time. Greg, really good question. Something different now the box, and I want to thank you very much for asking that one. And again, please stand by, because after this final question here, we will give away a free tutoring session. All right, let's get to our final question of this podcast. Uh, good morning. Uh, it's Lenny Bauer calling from California. Uh, do you know if uh, Uniden is coming out with a Home Patrol 3 anytime soon? And also... Uh, do you know the uh, frequency for the Beverly Hills Police Department? I'd appreciate it. Hey, Lenny, great question. And yeah, it's it's. I don't have any inside. Um, I wish I did. I don't have any inside knowledge about what's happening over at Uniden. I I hope they're doing something. I hope they got something in the works somewhere. I heard rumors that they are working on another scanner. But I'm also hearing rumors that it is a entry-level scanner, and I don't know why they would be putting some resources into an entry-level scanner when they have two handhelds that are sitting there now, unless they're working on some new desktop thing. But would they be coming out with a Home Patrol 3? I don't think that that may be on the table at this time, mainly because the Home Patrol 2 is still a current design, I guess you could say. It's dated. We're, we're going to go there, right? I mean, it's an upgrade to the Home Patrol 1. 
I believe that we only have a Home Patrol 2 because they discovered that the Home Patrol 1 didn't have enough horsepower to do Phase 2 talk groups. I think that's why we have a Home Patrol 1. In fact, I'm very certain of the fact that the Home Patrol 2 is only out there and part of the lineup because they needed more horsepower in the Home Patrol 1 to do P25 Phase 2 talk groups. Now, is the Home Patrol 2 a great radio? Yeah, I mean, it definitely suits the the, the need of, of that kind of market. If, if, if we were to see a Home Patrol 3, I would love it to be a hybrid between the SDS 200 and the existing Home Patrol 2. And I say that because I think that having a Home Patrol gear, piece of gear, that is now made to work in the simulcast environment, I think is a natural progression of that Home Patrol platform. Again, we had a Home Patrol, which was made for zip code-based scanning so that mom and dad or grandma and grandpa can take their radio out of the box, put the zip code in, and leave it on the countertop and never have to touch it again because it would receive the local PD out of the box from Uniden. Now, we all know that doesn't really work that well, but that was basically the mindset there. It was supposed to be a, a an entry point scanner or a break down the barrier scanner of, I have all these buttons and knobs and switches and dials and ports and accessories, and I don't know what I'm doing with this scanner. It came to me. It's basically a, you know, it's a doorknob, right? I, I don't know what to do with it. It needs to be it needs to be programmed. How do I program it? The Home Patrol 1 was basically made so that you can unbox it, put your zip code in, tell it what you want to listen to, and it would just work. Now, of course, we know that that's not how most of us operate, right? We want a scanner that we can tweak and create favorites lists and do all these things to it. And that's where we started getting the extreme upgrade on the Home Patrol because we were asking you to hey, we need more out of this, more functionality, right? We need the ability to make it our scanners, not not just a scanner that just sits on the countertop. You didn't listen. It was great. And then we needed more horsepower. And you didn't again listen, and it was great, right? We got the Home Patrol 2 out of the deal. But I think Home Patrol 2, the Home Patrol 2, sits very nicely where it is now. It's a fully functional scanner that is in line with the 436, the five, uh, the 536, again, which is an upgrade of the Home Patrol. And it sits with the 996P2 and the 325P2. And how is that? Well, all of those scanners are P25 Phase 2 capable scanners that don't really perform superior in simulcast environments. So the natural progression, obviously, of the Home Patrol, in my point of view, is the fact that we are going to add simulcast to that platform. That makes sense to me, right? It makes sense to you. That would be a great upgrade. And then again, the ability to do everything it does now with, you know, and again, DMR and XDN and, and have the uh, analysis on it or the analyze feature, discovery, an advanced desktop scanner that's touchscreen that does all the bells and whistles and is now the high-end scanner. Yeah, we're going to pay an arm and a leg if that idea ever comes to fruition because, again, we know what the SDS-100 costs 
We know what the STS-200 costs. Now you want to add touchscreen to it. Well, maybe they do it so that it's not as much as the STS-100 and the STS-200, but you don't get all the bells and whistles on it until you pay for them. So maybe a Home Patrol 3 could be a lower barrier entry point to a simulcast scanner. I don't know. I don't have any insight or direct influence in Uniden, but I think that would be a really awesome scanner idea. Hey, maybe that's an idea for a YouTube video and I could tag somebody in it. I don't know. Let me know what you think should be included with a Home Patrol 3. Because we could put this idea together in a wish list and I can put the video out there and we'll see where it goes. Now, part two. Your question about the Beverly Hills Police Department. And I, I am sorry to be the bearer of bad news. But yes, I do have a frequency for Beverly Hills. I went onto Radio Reference, did a quick search there under LA. And I found that Beverly Hills does have a UHF frequency of 453.650, but it's a P25 encrypted frequency. And that's the problem here. It is conventional, but it is encrypted. So their police primary dispatch of 453.650, P25 encrypted. Their detectives, 485.350, P25 encrypted. You do happen, though, to have 453.225, which is Beverly Hills Police Department tactical. It's shown up as analog, non-encrypted in radio reference. And you also have 453.525, which is police tactical, uh, analog, non-encrypted in radio reference. Now, if you look over at the Interagency Communications Interoperability System, the ICI system, and I look for Beverly Hills, all of the police talk groups on this P25 system are encrypted. Again, that includes detectives, SWATs, admin, dispatch. Okay. Now let's think about this one here. I'm not surprised at all that Beverly Hills police are encrypted. If you think about the types of people that live in Beverly Hills and do you think that they want those, do you think those people want, you know, anybody with a scanner to know what happens in their homes or their emergencies or anything like that? Yeah, this this is a sensitive area, I would think. Not surprised that Beverly Hills PD is encrypted. And I think that we would probably be hard-pressed to ever get them to unencrypt. Though California is paving the way right now. I think it's statewide, if I'm not mistaken about a um, a non-encryption of police transmissions, or maybe it's just down in uh, certain certain counties of California. But I know there was a push out, out in California for that, and a lot of what happens in California, the old saying is what's good for California is good with the rest of America. Uh, not to get political on the podcast here, but while I disagree with that statement wholeheartedly, um, this is the one... One time that I think that maybe California might be on the right path here, that, you know, it'd be nice to have unencrypted police transmissions. Um, that said, again, not to go off on a tangent here or anything else, uh, I do understand the reasoning behind encryption. I understand the reason for encryption. I understand the, the reason why we have to deal with encryption. 
On the flip side, I understand why we don't want encryption. I understand why we wish it would go away. And I understand why many people think that it is killing the hobby when it is not killing the hobby, my point of view. But unfortunately, Lenny, you're just not going to be able to listen to Beverly Hills PD. However, if it helps you out at all, the fire is not encrypted. And rescue, I don't believe, is encrypted either. So it may be that you might still find out what might be happening within Beverly Hills and uncertain, you know, high-end homes without actually being able to listen to police. And that that is definitely something to look forward to listening to. Great questions by everybody this week. Lenny and Greg, Jeff and Drew, you guys are all awesome for picking up the phone or picking up your device and dialing 516-308-2885 or by using our SpeakPipe link and leaving a question. Now, before we go to the winner of this month's Q&A session, I want to say I am out of questions. I am out of questions that came in from our voicemail lines, which means that if somebody wants to win a free tutoring session, the chances are pretty good right now that if you pick up the phone and dial 516-308-2885, you're the only question for next month, you're automatically going to win. So, I invite everybody to pick up the phone right now, 516-308-2885, and leave me a voicemail. I need your voicemails because I need to make content right now, very fast, before I'm wiped out. <laughs> That's really what it comes down to. I mean, you can hear it in my voice right now, right? I'm not, I don't sound the same. I don't have the energy levels I once had. And in fact, to be completely honest with you, this podcast is being recorded on December 3rd, 2022 and will be published on December 6th. This is the closest that I have recorded and published a podcast in a very, very long time. My buffer has been exhausted. I no longer have stuff in queue, which means I need to now hustle to create content so that I could put my feet up and relax and suffer through the rest of my treatments as best as I can. All right, let's go and find the winner for this month's free tutoring session. I've got four people in front of me, Drew, Jeff, Greg, and Lenny. One, two, three, four in that order will be the numbers that are assigned to each person. And let's go to Google's search menu here. We're going to type in a random number generator. And we're going to refresh this random number generator five times and we're refreshing it five times so that we know that the first time I bring it up and put the parameters in it's not just going to spit me out an answer because it's going to default into something let's make it work for us guys alrighty one two three four and five Lenny Bauer congratulations on winning this month's free tutoring session the last one for the year of 2022 please email me and I will send you the code to use. So when you go on online over at scannerschool.com slash tutoring, you can use that code to knock off 100% of the cost so that you can book your free tutoring session. For everybody else, I want to say thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your support. And we will catch you all again next month for our next Ask session. We will, again, leave updates over on YouTube. So maybe we can do a monthly thing, even though it's not going to be the first Tuesday of the month. I just can't do it, guys. Um, I feel bad leaving you guys hanging this one. I, I enjoy spending time with you, but it just can't be Tuesday night this month because I'm just wiped out. 
But like I said, we'll do something. All right, guys, I'm going to say thank you again so much for asking your questions and have a good one. Have a very Merry Christmas, a good Hanukkah, and anything else that you guys celebrate. We'll catch you all on another podcast episode next week. And for everybody else who just listens to the Q&A sessions, we'll catch you next month. Before we wrap up this week's podcast, I want to take a minute here to thank all of our Patreon supporters. Alan Gonzalez, Arthur Altrek, Arthur Heron, Bill Kay, Bob Ross, Bob Middleton, Brandon Sammons, Brian King, Chris Paris, Craig Harper, Dan, Dave Dombrowski, David Pasco, David C., David Kuzneski, Danny Crotty, Dylan Hyder, Ed Walsh, Edward Bramlett, Glenn Wright, Greg Johnson, Guy Lee, I Hate Junk Mail, Jack Haycock, Jacques Berry, Jake Jacobson, James Broxson, James Felling, Jay Reed, Jeff Block, Jeff Chapman, Jeff McLeod, Jeff Waldrop, Jenny Taylor, Jim B., Jim Heinrich, Joe Curtis, Joe P., John Kordoff, John Keel, John Sheldon, John Sweeney, John Derby, John Goldenberg, Joshua Robb, Ken New- Newberry, Kenneth Fowler, Kevin Zwicky, Lenny Bauer, Les Stevenson, Lloyd R., Mark Beebe, Michael Gorman, Michael Kroger, Michael Meadows, Mike Lopez, Mike Piltz, Nicholas Stenger, Paul Teal, Raymond Hill, Rich Palmieri, Ronnie Box, Sal Marandola, Scott Lefgrand, Terry Wright, Tim Mazza, TJ, Ty Glendie, and William Arcand. Find out more about Patreon and our support tiers by visiting scannerschool.com Patreon. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you again next week. 73.